Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in the beautiful Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. It is Studio B. And man, I... It's great to be here. I'm I'm glad to be here because we missed last week, right? We missed last week. Last week, you know, we had some challenges. We had some, some Rona challenges. Yes. But, but we're back. That's right. We're back. We're in the saddle. I'm excited. And today we have a very special episode because today we're going to be discussing the prophetic significance of Hanukkah. Oh, yeah. It's a treat. Right. Oh, it really is. And 20 years of studying and experiencing. Here's what, you know, I know people are into the feasts and there's certain people that like I see are against Hanukkah within the Hebrew Roots Movement. I know those people exist. Can you believe those people exist? They exist. Those people are out there. And it's because they're very like only yeah. what's in the Bible. You know, but I want people, and I think that by the time you're done watching this episode, you'll understand that there's prophetic significance to Hanukkah, and you'll understand this is why we celebrate. We celebrate because we have a future hope. Amen. This is true. Amen. It is historical and it's prophetic. So, this is the prophetic significance of Hanukkah 2021. Uh, Like I said, I I think we've been celebrating Hanukkah since. I mean, I have since probably 1995. Wow, so it's yeah. been a long time. So, so prophecy is the foretelling of history in advance. History is prophecy that has been fulfilled. Wow, check that out. Prophecy is the foretelling of history in advance. History is prophecy that has been fulfilled. And so people ask the question all the time, why did God create prophecies? Well, to prove that he is God. And Nostradamus is Nostradamus. It is not God. So here's the story of Hanukkah. A small army of devout Jews known as the Maccabees rebelled against their Greek Syrian rulers, eventually overcoming them. The holiday commemorates the rededication of the temple in Jerusalem after it was defiled. That is the storyline, folks. It's historical. Yes, that's right. Um, So the Hanukkah story that took place nearly 200 years before Yeshua's birth is going to take place in the near future. We hope the near future. Yes, we, we really do. There's all kinds of signs leading up to some things happening on that Temple Mount as well. So here's the bad guy in the story. Antiochus IV Epiphanes came against the Israelites and the Mosaic Covenant in 175 to 163 B.C. So as this plot thickens, as this thing develops, I want you just to consider some things that are very, very important. Once again, that uh, even among the secular world, this is very, very interesting because you're not only bringing into the, to these other resources like the book of Maccabees or the prophet Daniel or the Gospels, Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse, but this is all tied in together as we study this together. So Antiochus prohibited the following things. He prohibited the following things. Now, I brought this out some time ago. Who entered Antiochus's heart but Satan? Why would he choose to do these things? You know, clean sacrifices on the altar, he prohibited it. Honoring the Sabbath, keeping of the feasts, circumcising of all the males, and of course, he forbid, prohibited the Torah. That's actually found in 1 Maccabees chapter 1, verses 41 through 50. So here we have these five things. How many of you that are listening or watching this particular um, 
podcast, YouTube, Facebook, whatever it is, think about it. We're doing all these things as people in the Hebrew Roots movement. We're doing these things. All my sons are circumcised. We do the Torah portions every week. We just, you know, we keep the feast. We just got done celebrating the fall feast. We honor the Shabbat. And, of course, we believe in clean sacrifices. But what did Antiochus encourage? He encouraged the following. He encouraged idolatry, sacrificing of unclean animals. Yeah, you could sacrifice a pig. <laughs> and then, of course, the, the greatest thing is assimilation. Right. You know, Purim and, and Hanukkah are two bookends, you know. And um, Purim is all about a genocide. But in, in reality, as you go to the opposite in here, as we close out this year and close out the we closed out the, the, the tour cycle, started a new one, closed out the fall feast, we'll start a new one after after Hanukkah, you know, and things that we, of course, uh, celebrate. But it's interesting that this is all about assimilation. You know, I said it before and I'll say it again. If you're not praying, worshiping, reading your Bible, you've been assimilated. Because that's the only thing that can keep us sharp. That's the only thing way we know how to look is through God's mirror of his word. And, of course, to be worshiping and to be praying. You know, uh, Ryan brought up the Pope. It was funny because <laughs> the Lord brought the Pope up to me, and I started praying for Pope Francis Yeah. Uh, in the middle of the night. What a guy. I just started praying for him, you know, because you haven't really heard much lately. You know, that's the that's the problem. It's like your children when you don't yeah. hear when they're it's too go quiet. Look. Go look. <laughs> you got to go look. So Antiochus does wickedly against the covenant in Daniel eleven thirty two. It says, and such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. No, no, real quick, I want to make anti Torah. This is in Daniel eleven thirty two. Daniel is writing these words as a prophet. Right. Like what? 300 years before this? I'm not really sure, but yeah, it's during the, you know, the captivity time. He, he's writing this stuff, you know. So, uh, so he... It's like 100, it's at least 150 years. So those before. that, of course, those that do wickedly against the covenant, the Mosaic covenant, shall he corrupt by flatteries. Right. You know, and, and, and how do these people like build their cabinet, but people they know, their friends they grew up with, they, they're in business with or whatever. So if you follow his policies and everything... So he's greasing the skids by, by paying people off to have right. them be part of the assimilated group of Jews. Because so those that would come against the Mosaic covenant, he would want to side with them and... Right, the biggest enemy of the Orthodox Jews or the or the believing or in covenant keeping Jews at this time was not necessarily Antiochus himself, but the other Jews had already assimilated. Oh yeah, well, who Antiochus was corrupt. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. So in First Maccabees chapter one verses forty one through forty three, this is found in the Apocrypha. Once again, you, let these sources play off each other because there's no really there's no there's no problem here. Uh, then the king wrote to his whole kingdom that all should be one people. Wow each abandoning his particular customs. All the Gentiles conformed to the command of the king, and many Israelites were in favor of his religion. They sacrificed to idols and profaned the Sabbath. Ugh. So once again, we should all be one people, coexist. Yeah. Let's tolerate. It's tolerance. You know, listen, all I'm saying is that this is, this is globalization here. Then you had the Brexit. You got nationalism rising up because globalization is not who God is. He's not a globalist. No, he's he didn't not. tell the Jews to take over the world. He did. He set up specific boundaries. He did love the world, though. He did. He did love the world. Uh, let's see here. Uh, he would go anyway. Yeah, this is he, he's bad news. It goes on to say that in First Maccabees chapter one verses twenty one through twenty four, 
it says he insolently invaded the sanctuary mm. and took away the golden altar, the lampstand for the light with all the fixtures, the offering table, the cups and bowls, the golden censers, the curtain, the crowns, and the golden ornament on the facade of the temple. So he stripped it. He, that's, that's blasphemy. Yeah, he stripped the temple. He stripped off everything and took away the gold and silver and all the precious vessels. vessels. He also took the hidden treasures he could find. Taking all this, he went back to his own country after he had spoken with great arrogance and shed much blood. So he's a Greco-Syrian kind of guy. He's to the north of Israel. He's going to be doing battle with Egypt. And right. Israel is, of course, in between these two countries. And he was pretty yeah. sovereign, right? So he's he's the... Because we went to the historical piece um, Yeah, there was four generals ago. that took over four geographical After areas. Alexander the Great, right? So he's one, and he's pretty sovereign. So the, the other three... Are pretty pretty rough yeah the three others are not interfering with him so to no, speak no, right what no. now they're jockeying for position yeah but he can do whatever he wants and the roman empire is starting to build and grow right now so killing off people that he are opposed to him things like that all that this is going on right now ryan he's the he's and the look, buck stops look, with look him at what's happening in some of these countries there's civil war there's tyranny right you know one group takes the government Right. Then right. the other group wants to take it back. Right. That's what's happened in Ethiopia. But here's the abomination of desolation in Daniel 11:31. An arm shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. This is love, Antiochus the fourth Epiphanes. Yeah. <laughs> place the abomination that maketh desolate. So we know the Temple Mount is holy. It's where his name is, the Lord's name is, and he's going to defile it. As we develop this storyline, this plot line, you guys are going to be fascinated to finally understand why dates were picking. They were picked for, for this. For picking. picking for picking. <laughs> I'm picking this date. Picking this but date. But the thing is, it's like, who's behind the curtain? It's Satan. Yeah. And there's these little puppets, Antiochus. Yep. These people that are doing these atrocities, they're just puppets, right. you know, committing murder. But in 1 Maccabees chapter 1, verse 54, in regards to the abomination of desolation, it goes on to say, Now the 15th day of the month of Kislev, in the 145th year, they set up the abomination of desolation upon the altar and builded idol altars throughout the cities of Judah on every side. Yeah. So this is what's going on. This is already brewing now on the 15th day of the month of Kislev as, as a documentation in the book of Maccabees. So the abomination of desolation refers to a statue of the Greek god Zeus that was placed in the temple by Antiochus IV Epiphanes. Okay, he claims to be God. He's Greco-Syrian. He's from the Seleucid dynasty. You can actually look him up. His family tree is pretty, pretty rough. Pretty, pretty deep, you know, I mean, pretty deep and long. But in, as we develop the storyline, remember, it's, it's the prophetic significance of Hanukkah. Yeah. So if, if Hanukkah happened in the past, it's going to happen again. You know, I, I would have titled this Antiochus is coming to Hanukkah as yeah. a title. Yeah. So, so let's develop this, this plot line here that we know that these things in hindsight have been fulfilled. Historically, this took place, the story of Hanukkah. But what did, what did, or what did Yeshua say that's going to come? Right. So what about this abomination of desolation? Does Yeshua mention an abomination of desolation yet to come? Yes, he does. Matthew 24, verse 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Okay. It's kind of interesting because, you know, Israel would have to have the Temple Mount in order for it to be defiled like that. Right. Pretty much. You know, you can have some foreign nation there. 
Now, that's Matthew 24, 15. So where do we find this in Daniel, but Daniel 9, 27, in regards to the Antichrist? And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So let's look at a little microcosm of the 70 weeks found in Daniel 9. These 70 weeks given upon the people of Israel that would have to be fulfilled, have to be played out. First of all, 70 weeks are total. 69 weeks have been fulfilled. One week is left to be fulfilled to get rid of all this abomination, this junk, and all this other stuff. And this is the basis of why prophecy teachers talk about a seven-year tribulation, that there's still one more week of years to happen. Right. That's true. But this is where it comes from. So a lot of people know there's a seven-year tribulation, but but this is the basis. Right. And then you also find it in Revelation. Because one week is left. So I'm going to turn it over to Ryan, and and I want you to check out the... uh, the implications here. This is a quite fascinating study. I don't know if anybody's even teaching this. Well, a lot of people go through Matthew 24. I yeah. think that uh, if you ever just sit down and you go to read through Matthew 24, you come away with something a lot different than what generally people are teaching about Matthew 24, especially from a timeline right. standpoint. That's why I we always make the joke about being pan-trib, right? That Jesus is coming back, it's all going to pan out. It's going to pan out. Instead of pre, post, or mid-trib, That's right. you know, so to speak. But I, I do want to mention one thing. Um, Matthew 24, verse 2 says this. It says, do, not see all these, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. So Jesus prophesies that the temple will be destroyed, right? Yeah, he did. And so did that happen? Yeah. So, so far in Matthew 24, his prophecies are good. Right, I mean, you can read down the line. I think so. And you'll be like, check, check, right. check. Right. Yes, 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 yes. He's he's pretty good at the whole prophecy thing. I would say. Now he doesn't say there's going to be another temple on the Temple Mount, but he said there's going to be an abomination. Well, and <sighs> that's interesting thought, right? So there's right. definitely something that happens. Oh yeah. Because in order for something to become desolate, right, it first has to be holy, or I right. mean, in, in a, or to be defiled, it first has to be holy. Right. And so that's a, a concept I think that it's hard to wrap your brain around. So it says here in Matthew twenty four sixteen, it's the persecuted flee into the mountains. This is Yeshua. And this is right after he says He's given a prophecy. about the abomination yeah. of desolation. He says here in verse 16, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And then in verse 17, let them, uh, him who is on his housetop not go down and take anything out of his house. And 18, and let uh, him who is in the field not go back and get his clothes. So he's, he's giving a sense of urgency that when this happens. Right. But you, read to him and, and share with him about boom. it happened in, 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 the, in the time of... Uh, the Maccabees. Oh, it did happen in the time of the Maccabees. It's just a, a mirror. It is a mirror. Um, it says uh, in First Maccabees chapter two, verse twenty-eight. Thereupon he, talking about Mattathias, fled to the mountains with his sons, leaving behind in the city all their possessions. Interesting. So this happened previously. Yeshua is saying, "Hey, if you know the story of Hanukkah, this is what's going to happen again. You're going to be back in the same same boat." Unbelievable. And so, uh, when you flee, don't take your belongings. Let him which is in the housetop not come down and take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field uh, return back to take his clothes. That's verses 17 and 18. And look here in First uh, Maccabees 2:28. Thereupon he Mattathias fled to the mountains, leaving behind all their possessions. So it's mirroring. That's your coat. Your you know whatever. Yeah, whatever Don't it go, is. You're not, you can't go back. 
Well, I mean, I just imagine like all of the things that certain people, like if I had to run back to my house to grab anything, what would I go and grab, right? I might grab like, you know. A, He's basically saying don't do it. A bucket of rice and Nothing some. Nothing worth it. Maybe some it's rifles and it. some ammo. <laughs> What it, and then, but then you think about like your wife and your kids, like my son, he's obviously going to grab some Legos, you know, cause uh, yeah. God forbid you'd be around that kid. You got to have Legos during the tribulation. You got to have Legos. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to use them, throw them on the ground and make them step so on. So that's them. interesting. So when this happens, you can't go back to your house and get stuff. No. Cause it already happened to the Maccabees. Right. Yeshua is saying it. Right. And what's the next one? So it says, pray that your flight is not on the Sabbath. So this is what Yeshua says in Matthew 24, 20. He says, but pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. So he's mentioning kind of two things, right? He's mentioning winter and Sabbath. So when does Hanukkah happen? Is this like briar rabbit? Please don't throw me in a briar patch. You know, like pray that it's not this, but it's going to. It's like winking, like. It's going to be that. I'm giving you the answers to the test. (laughs) Right. So it's kind of amazing that this is even unfolding right here. Yeah, but you go back and forth, tit for tat. So in 1 Maccabees 2, verse 32, it says, Many hurried out after them, and having caught up with them, camped opposite and prepared to attack them on the Sabbath. You know, people think that they can attack religious people on the yeah, Sabbath. Yeah, that's 1 Maccabees 2.32, and then what happens is, is, is we go down a few verses. Uh, and in verse 38, it says, So the officers and soldiers attacked them on the Sabbath, and they died with their wives, their children, and their cattle to the number of a thousand persons. So a thousand but after that, died. they rose up. They yep. said, we have to fight. So they fought on the Sabbath after that, just so everyone understands the storyline back then. Right. They decided, we've got to fight. Well, and I think that was probably, uh, uh, you know, a case law for... Why it's okay to fight? Well, back how long on the has Sabbath? it been since they even fought anyway? When you think about it, yeah, it's I true. don't know. I'd like to know. Okay, if, if they were engaged by an enemy and had to fight and didn't fight because it was Sabbath, mm-hmm. how long was it before they had fought the last fight? Yeah, what what group of people? Who was it? It wasn't the Greeks. Yeah, because they they kind of gave them a okay. Well, and back in those days, I mean, you got to think that these people, if they're at peace, right? Then they're farmers, they're lay people, you know, and they're they're not you know, trained for battle or, you know, professional soldiers, so to speak, you know, so they're at a disadvantage when an army comes and attacks them. That's right. Right. And so it says, uh, pray that you do not have a young child of circumcision age. Um, and this is in Matthew twenty four nineteen. It says, and woe unto them that are with child and that give suck in those days, because it's going to be tough. It'll Children be tough. can slow you down. Right. Oh, absolutely. You know, so that's in a reference of Matthew, but what does it say in First Maccabees chapter one, verses sixty and sixty-one? It says, "Women who had had their children circumcised were put to death in keeping with the decree, with the babies hung from their necks, their families also, and those who had circumcised were killed." That's pretty terrible. This is horrible. Yeah, these are atrocities. Yeah, we um we ha- we don't even know things like this. I mean, the last time something like this probably happened was the Holocaust, right? Which you know is there's probably stuff happening right 70, now. 70, 80. Well, I mean, it, I guess you're right. I mean, shallow graves and people getting shot. And I just think that it's in, in people's faces in modern times that this, this kind of atrocity, this is the reason why people are so lulled to sleep because they're not, they don't have the memory of these things. So I want to thank Ryan for those references because that's something for us to go by. Oh, look, in the Maccabees, it says this. Oh, look, in Matthew 24, it says this. Yeah. So you can put those two together and, and, and not be in any danger. Uh, as we develop the storyline, you know, especially, I want to make it interesting and exciting and dramatic because 
think about it. Because how can you draw Christians into the storyline? Oh, you guys are just celebrating Hanukkah because you don't have Christmas anymore and you don't celebrate Christmas. And it's not even the point, Ryan. The point is, check this out. Yeshua's deity in, in Hanukkah in John chapter 10, verses 22 through 42. Let's jump right in here in in verses 22 and 23. And it was at Jerusalem, the Feast of the Dedication. And it was winter. Pray that your flight's not on the winter. Yeah. Or on the Sabbath. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. So whatever the enemy does, Jesus has to undo. He's got to fix it. He's got to clean it up. He's got to say, no, 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 Satan. This is the way it's going to be. The enemy's trying to get us to side with the enemy. Right. Satan wants us to side with him. Like, oh, this is, this, is the, this is one of the things that people approach me with as a pastor. How could a loving God allow all this to happen in the earth? You know, I'm like, the God is sovereign. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Who are you to say what he can and cannot do and what he's created and what he can do? You have a free will. That's You're right. going to have to choose. So I want to make it a point that Yeshua did celebrate Hanukkah. What would Yeshua do? He would eat latkes. Yeah, WWJD. Latkes. Now, I'm, I'm just going to give a few verses here because the, the chapter is very good. In John 10, 30, this is what Yeshua says. He's on the Temple Mount. It's been defiled before, and it's been rededicated back then in the time of the Maccabees. He says, I and my Father are one. Praise God. Deity. Yep. He's claiming deity, which is blasphemy among the Jewish people. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah, claiming yeah. deity. I am God. They get nice and angry at him. And uh, I and my Father are one. Oh, well, how could you be one with the Father, you know? And then we can get into the Psalms and all that, but the Messianic Psalms. But in John 10, 42, it says, and many believed on him there. You know, and many believed on him there. You know, immediately, so it's funny that you skip over the whole other section there. Yeah, there's a but, lot in You know, there. the next verse says, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. So immediately when he says this, they want to stone him. Why? Because of what he's saying. That's right. So there's people that would say that Jesus didn't claim deity. Well, why would they stone him if he didn't? Or why would they attempt to stone but, him? But see, Ryan, the beauty of all of this is that we've got to understand spiritual laws and the kingdom of God because the enemy is just trying to make it dark and twisted and, and just nasty. You know, I don't, I don't know how much longer we can go on this earth at the rate of the filth and still be a light. I mean, I'm just saying, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, we can't create these, you know, uh, communes, you know, yeah, because we're supposed to be a light, right? We're supposed to go and preach the gospel, and and Jesus went to all these different kinds of people. So you know, we can't just put a big wall up around our property line and just hunker down like a bunch of monks. That's not God wants us to be a light, right? He, he wants us to be well, and I know, think that um, there's a mindset out there amongst people who are countercultural in whatever way they are, whether it's from a religious context because they're Christian or because they're, you know, just far right conservative, whatever, you know, the case is. And the mindset is that you need to hunker down, you need to stock up on ammo, you need to get food, all of these things. And look, I don't have a problem with stocking up on ammo or food or any of those things, protect your family, have, you know, provision in case of a hurricane or, you know, disaster. But at the end of the day, uh, our job, even if we're called to death, is to preach the gospel. Right. Right. And to be a light. That's right. And if we die in that end, how much better is our reward? Well, the thing is, though, Ryan, if we're the people of the last days, God made all these promises for us to do and be and go. Exactly you know? right. Well, and that's the thing. Where's your focus? Again, I don't have any problem with stocking up on ammo, food, right. or whatever. Prepared. But I think that if your focus and your emphasis is not on 
being what God has called you to be, right. doing spiritual exercises and encouraging others, right. then your emphasis is in the wrong place. Now, now we've talked about Antiochus back in Daniel 11. He's got quite a segment in there of what he has done in the past. But now we're going we're gonna to pick up where, the, where Antiochus left off. Daniel eleven thirty six to 45 are the references we're going to be going over. Daniel eleven thirty six through 45. Check this out. And the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished. For that that is determined shall be done. I call this a transitional verse. Because Daniel eleven thirty five, you could still say this is a reference to Antiochus in that time period. 163 BC or whatever, but you could bleed over into a few of these verses and look at it to be like Antichrist. But you know, he, he you know, I don't really call him a king. But if you look at this, we have you know, he says uh, he's definitely a ruler, and the king shall do according to his will. Yes, so he's got a set agenda. We have Lucifer's five I wills in Isaiah 14 verses 12 through 14. Here are the five I wills of Lucifer: I will ascend into heaven. Mm-hmm. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north. Supposedly, that's the Temple Mount, a reference to the Temple Mount. Oh, the sides of the north. Remember, there's a, there's a mountain in the Garden of Eden. Remember, he, he, yeah. he walked in the mountains. In the, well, it's Mount Moriah. So I'm just saying that Mount when you go back Mount to Moriah. the Garden of Eden, Satan was roaming around in there. Number four, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. The clouds are always representative of the glory. Number five, I will be like the most high. Eh, wrong. So he goes into these five I wills, you know, and then, of course, in Isaiah 14, 15, the Lord says, after his little rant, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit, mm. quoted by the Lord. <laughs> so it's like when your child, those, you know, temper tantrum and speaks all these things. Right. And you're like, uh, go to your room. Yeah, no, it's not good. You're done, you know. All of that for this. Uh, that's Daniel eleven thirty six. We talked about he, he shall do according to his will. Daniel eleven thirty seven. Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. Now, this is where you kind of shift gears a little bit about this guy. Yeah, it makes you wonder what, what He will not regard he? the God of his fathers, because his father is Satan. And he is the son of perdition. Yeah. So he's not going to serve Greek mythology. He's not going to want to build something. Listen, for Zeus, this guy wants to build something for himself because it's Satan. It's interesting that you say this because I, I was wondering, if is this a reference to him being a Jew or an Israelite of some sort? Well, you know, that's where a lot of the uh, conspiracy theories come in. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that he's Islamic or he's Jewish. Right, right, and right, I, right. I, We really can't get into that. Like, why isn't Dan numbered in the... 144,000 right, you know, right, right. or whatever. He's from the tribe of Dan and he's yeah. Jewish. And I, I would be careful with that, you know, because I don't think it's fair to the to the ethnic groups of the Jewish people. Or the Muslims. Yeah. But or I the mean, Catholics, because a lot of people think the Pope is the Antichrist. You know, either way, you know, I'm just saying that uh, this guy is going to be getting into some stuff in Dan 1138, riches. But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces or munitions. And a God of whom his fathers knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things, things desired. Interesting, yeah. So he's going to have force. He's going to have gold and silver and precious stones. So he's bringing about a new religion almost. You know, I think Satan has nine stones embedded. Yeah, in he's him. three stones short of an ephod. Three stones short of a load. Ha. He is. And so these precious stones are very, very interesting, you know. 
Those that flattered Antiochus, he brought into his cabinet. He brought into his, his group. Uh, so looking at this, he's going to honor uh, a guy whom his fathers knew not. Yep. Because he's got Satan. He's the son of Satan. Shall he honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and pleasant things, things desired. Yeah. We go into the parable of the sower, Ryan, in Matthew thirteen twenty two, and it says... He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. So basically, that's the one we got to watch out for at Bait to Gila. So everywhere. We, the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word out. Right. See, Satan swoops down against the first seed. The second seed, what? Grows up among what? The thorns the thorns right right and so this one what happens it gets choked out it gets mm-hmm. choked out but see that's the thing uh to say choke the word means there's no life right you, you suffocate you're, yeah. you're strangling somebody so that's why you have, we have to be careful that the word is not being choked out it's kind of like you know like you don't really keep sabbath well you just get choked Right, right, well, I'm right. going to go do something, I'm gonna, uh, and then I'll, I'll do it next week. Right, You just right, choked right. out the word. Yep. Um, you got to be careful because you got to love the, the Lord more than anything because your family didn't give you Jesus. Yeah. So don't let your family take advantage of you. That could be the care of this world as well. Right. You know, the care of this world is that you care more about these other things than that, you know. Um, but anyway, this is uh, very interesting here, uh, and we look at that. First Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Yeah. So once again, everything that we have is from God, and he, he requests 10% back, a tithe, a minion, a tenth. You know, that's what a minion is, ten. So once again, we have to be careful because we see the stimulus packages. We see all these things happening. You right. Know, and uh, Corrupted by flatteries. I, ha- I have to say that... that President Biden has given me more money than Trump. <laughs> I mean, I have to say, through the stimulus package. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not complaining. Yeah. Um, you know, eight kids. Uh, my little Ahava will be one tomorrow. Yeah. So, gosh, we got to be so careful with all of this, you know. And if God gives you a vision, he'll give you provision, you know. That's why we're believing for a bait to heal Israel. Right. You know, it's going to take finances. It's going to take money. So when the money's coming into here... And, and and we're just being good stewards. Where's it going out to? Right. See, you know, um, we're moving on from uh, Daniel eleven thirty eight to Daniel eleven thirty nine in regards to the land. Thus shall he do in the most strongholds with a strange God whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory, and he shall cause them to rule over many, and shall divide the land for gain. You know, land for peace is not going to work. No. Dividing up the land. Yep. You know, I, I can assure you this, my observation, my studying, there will not be a Palestinian state. No. It's not feasible. It's not doable. Because how are you going to remove half a million Jews from the West Bank? Yeah, from Judea. Gaza was one story. This is another one. Right. You know. Um, even at the time at Gaza, even though it was a lot a lot less people, probably 10,000, I think it was. I'm like not that. really sure. It was still a very difficult undertaking to do. Oh, yeah. So so once again, why does he want to divide up the land, the Antichrist? Because he's Satan's yeah, seed. seed. Yeah, absolutely. 
And if we're the seed of Abraham and we were promised land, yeah. he wants to divvy it up to the enemy. Now, go go back, Ryan, to what God said. I'm bringing you into the land yeah. to get rid of the wicked people. Right. There's wicked people in my land. I want them out. I want my right. people in the land. Right. My sons and daughters in the land. Yeah. See, this is why, even though we're Christians, he would want us in the land. Right. You know, and we love the Jewish people. We believe it's a Jewish nation. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that... You want righteous people in the land, people right. with morals and values, not people with knives and terror and whatever else. Well, and consider consider the works, right? So you'll know them by their fruit. And one of the ways that you know that somebody's got the Antichrist spirit or that the works of Antichrist are being done is there's lawlessness, you know, speaking against the Torah. And what else? They're dividing the land, right? Or there's wickedness in the land. Right. Or promotion of wickedness in the land. Those are the ways that you, you know. know and see, this is why as Christians, we need to care about the land. Right. Well, That's and, where Christianity and started. And also, think about your ideology and the Messiah that you, you s- purport to follow. What is your Messiah doing? Is he promoting the law of God, or is he saying the law of God is in a way with? Is he promoting the festivals, or is he saying it's in a way with? Is he promoting dividing the land, yeah. or, or denying the Jewish people their rights to the land, or... Is he promoting, helping the Jewish people? It's unbelievable, Ryan. This, the state of Israel is not even as big as New Jersey. I, I mean, know. It's, it's like, ridiculous. It's like New Jersey with a turnpike. I mean, the Jersey turnpike. I mean, but, but Joel 3, 2 goes on to talk about in this prophecy, I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. Yeah. The land belongs to God. Right. And so... Um, this is why he's so upset. They have scattered among the nations, my people and my land, you know, making it difficult. Like, like, you know, people can go to the land and they have to leave. It's just crazy. But in Leviticus 25, 23, it says, the land shall not be sold forever for the land is mine. For you are strangers and sojourners with me. The land belongs to God. Yeah. Who are we to say? Yeah. Um, in Deuteronomy 32, 43, I love this one. Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people. For he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. Wow, rejoice, O ye nations, with his people. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Beit Tehillah is in the nations. We're rejoicing with, with Israel, with his land and his people. We are rejoicing. Isn't that awesome? I'm going to let Ryan take it on from here uh, as the plot line develops here, this future Antichrist. We have the kings of the north, or Syria, and the south, Egypt, versus the Antichrist, Daniel eleven forty. We're going to begin there. Uh, just to let everybody know that now the Antichrist is his own entity. Yes. But to the north and the south, he has enemies. Right. Before he was the enemy of the north. He was the Greco-Syrian guy up there. Right. Coming down on Egypt. So now he's got a little bit more to play off and to play for in this storyline that's coming up in Daniel eleven forty. Yeah, it makes you wonder if this is the Ezekiel thirty eight or the Psalm eighty three. You know, yeah. deal. Um, when you're trying to look at the players that are here. Because we're but, still in the prophecies of the Antichrist. Right. Now, and so Daniel chapter 11, verse 40 says, And at the time of the end shall the king of the south push at him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships, and he shall enter into the countries and shall overflow and pass over. And then it says in 41, he shall enter also into the glorious land, Israel, and many countries shall be overthrown, but these shall escape out of his hand, even Edom and Moab and the chief of the children of Ammon. So because those, yeah. there's a confederacy going on between this group, Which right? is kind of like right now. Correct. 
Israel's at peace with Jordan. Well, and they're these making, will escape out of his hand. They won't be affected. They're making treaties, even as we speak, the Abraham Accords with other countries, even in that area. And so, um, verse well, forty-two. For whatever reason, they escape out of his hand. Yeah. Yeah. And so he shall stretch forth his hand also upon the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. Now I want you to think about this. There's a hundred million people. Yeah, in that's Egypt. right. Hundred million. General Sisi, <sighs> tyranny, yeah. dictator, running the country. But but they're at peace with Israel. Yeah. They had to try to keep things under control with the Gaza, Hezbollah, the tunnels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not letting Hezbollah smuggle stuff in from Egypt. No. So I don't know how they're getting anything in there anyway, but through those tunnels. So just keep this in mind, everybody. Then you got to the south of Egypt. You've got Ethiopia, Somalia. You've got Libya to the north. North Africa's a mess right now. Yeah. And you're going to see as this develops, geographically speaking, the stage has already been set right. for an unstable North Africa. Oh, yeah. No, it's not good. Um, all right, so in Daniel 11.43, it says, uh, But he shall have power over the treasures of gold and silver and over all the precious things of Egypt, and the Libyans and the Ethiopians, North Africa, shall be at his steps. So There it is, North Africa. That's right. So North Africa, as you mentioned. And and Libya is divided up right And now. again, we're talking about this Antichrist character, right, who's set up in the land of Israel, and so he's now, he's basically conquered Egypt. Right to the south. Yeah, it sounds like he's he's in charge of their their gold and their silver. And um, notice it says the Ethiopians. They're in a civil war right now. The yeah, Ethiopians and the Libyans. So right now, I mean, Gaddafi was in power for a long time. Yeah, uh, Mubarak in Egypt for a long, long time entrenched. Yeah, the Arab Spring uprooted them. Boom. Right. Now all of a sudden you've got instability and factions fighting. Yeah, different castes, different systems, different tribes. There's no unity. That's why you know. Uh, we had to leave Afghanistan, right? Because of it was uh, it's tribal, right? Because well, it could be because what we're trying to bring, we're trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. So yeah, we can't just assume things, but we can get directional things here. Geographically speaking, it tells you geographically. Right. It sure does. Then use the template and put it down and see. Well, what does it look like today? Right. So it says, but tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. Therefore, he shall go forth with great fury to destroy. And utterly to make away, or to take make away many, and so that's uh, Daniel eleven forty four, and Daniel eleven forty five. So he's got some serious trouble going on. Uh, he's not. He's not to having the north, a good time. the south. Now it's the east coming after him. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so, and he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas. That's the Mediterranean Sea and the Dead Sea, in the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end, and none shall help him. So geographically speaking, this is Jerusalem. This will be the Temple Mount. Right. This is where his palace is going to be. Right. And we'll discover that later in Thessalonians, um, sitting in the temple. But once again, in the glorious holy mountain. Right. Yet he shall come to his end and none shall help him. This is Daniel 11. 40. Well, gee, what's going to happen to him, Ryan? Can you fill us in on that? So in Second uh, Thessalonians 2.8, it says, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Just like when Satan said the five I wills, oh, yeah. no, you're going to hell. Yeah. You're going to the pit. Yeah. I could Boom. I can I can hear this verse as like he you just know speaks a it. Classic preacher, you know, he destroy with it. the brightness of his you coming. Know, he he just speaks it. I, I want to share just I just want to share one, one mess verse. Around. I want to share one proverb here that I've been trying to memorize and quote. Um I want to read this to everyone, because this is something I've really been working on. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. But he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Yeah. I've got to work on that. Right. Because we just blurt stuff out. We say stuff. 
and then we wonder why our our life is not in order, right? Yeah. So he that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. That's Proverbs thirteen three. One more because we're talking about the words of Messiah. Check this out. Proverbs twenty one twenty three. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Wow, yeah. Interesting. So, you know, wow. bef before we get into the next section, I want to mention that we've come to the end of the of chapter 11 in Daniel. That's right. right? So it, it's pretty clear that at this point that um, there's about to be a, a, a tantrum in the earth, right? A, a big trouble is going to happen. The Antichrist is revealed. Right. And then it talks about how uh, verse 12 begins talking about Michael will st will stand up the great prince and uh, and the sons of your people and that there will be a, uh, a time of trouble right it says it says in uh, verse 12 verse 1 the second half it says and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there ever was a nation even to that time and at that time your people shall be delivered every one who is found written in the book so there's good news and bad news here right yeah because there's the camp of the righteous and the camp of the wicked correct but yeah. the good the good Let's start with the bad news. The bad news is there's going to be a time of trouble such right. as never been. So yeah. we're saying that this is the great tribulation here, right? right? Speaking of in Daniel yeah, 12. absolutely, the last week. The bad news is that we're still going to be here for that. I would, I would think so. Okay, so it's pretty clear that we're here, but guess what? It says that the Lord delivers us. Now, I don't know if this is through rapture or if this is through right. some sort of protection or yeah. whatever it is, but it says that he'll deliver those that are found written in the book. So we want to be written in the book, That's right. right? That's good. And then, uh, then it gets interesting because this is where I see this tying together with the verses about the rapture, it's tying together with 2 Thessalonians, because it says, will be delivered, everyone who's found written in the book. But check this out, verse 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. That's good. It is good. And so this is talking about the people of God who are, because what do we say? And I tell people this all the time. We get distracted with the news. We get distracted with popular culture. We get distracted with all of these things. But the mission doesn't change. What God That's has right. called the believer to do in the earth doesn't change. We are to turn many to righteousness. Little sunballs. Point people That's to right. Yeshua. Point people Little to sun God. Balls. So going on, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Right. And then, and then there's just some highlights that I made here. Verse 6, the second half, how long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? And then verse 7, uh, second half, it shall be for a time, times, and half of times. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. Three and a half years. Right. And so then um, then, he, then the angel that's talking with, with Daniel says, and he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. And then that's where you pick up in Revelation where he's like, who's worthy to open the seal, right? Because right? there's prophecies that Daniel puts, right? The right. things revealed belong to us and our and children And they say forever. the book of Revelation is not in chronological order. Right. The things over a No, it's cycle, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you ready to switch gears here? Here we go. I am, I'm excited. Now we're going to jump right into this. It's like a two-for-one teaching here. And I want to encourage all of you to study this out for yourself because it's really quite fascinating. We're going to get into the book of Haggai, which is, of course, the time period is around 520 B.C. Keep all this in mind as we develop the storyline here. 
He ministered between the months of August to December. He ministered between the months of August to December. So let's jump right in here. Haggai, this is only two chapters. Yeah, it's short. So we just did the Hanukkah story. That was, of course, you know, 163 B.C. with Antiochus. We laid out that for you. We told you there's a future Antichrist coming right on the heels of Antiochus in Daniel 11.36. Right. Then the king will do as he wills. Now, uh, and also we got the Olivet Discourse, Yeshua warning us about the abomination of desolation. So now let's look at what Haggai is going to be doing here. Haggai 1.1. In the second year of Darius, the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet, unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying... Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Here's the timeline. I want everyone to consider this. Elul 1, which is the beginning of Teshuvah. Wow, yeah, that's cool. Notice it said, In the sixth month, in the first day. Right out of the gate, we have a time period. Yeah. So that means that he ministered, Haggai ministered, between August and December. Think about it. From Teshuvah to Hanukkah. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is 520 B.C., right. so Hanukkah never happened. And these prophecies that he's going to talk about are... Well, these are actually... This is what's happening. They're, they're rededicating... They're going to get this t- second temple going. Built up, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, now you're so going to... this understand. isn't the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, then? I mean, I would say so. Just after that. In Haggai 1.6, you have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but ha- you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Yikes. So things are not going well for them, okay? And uh, these things are happening. And Haggai 1.8, the priority. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. So this is build the V house. Yeah, he's won a second temple. Yes. I, I judged it on the first one. Let's do it again. Yes. Now we have these circumstances in Haggai 111. They're dragging their feet. Things aren't getting done. Things are not working out for them. He says, And I called for a drought upon the land and upon the mountains and upon the corn and upon the new wine and upon the oil and upon that which the ground bringeth forth and upon men and upon cattle and upon all the labor of the hands. So there's these circumstances that they're having a drought. Things aren't working out. Well, you know? there's a reason for it. And we, I think we, we jumped over it in verse 9. It says here, You looked for much, but you indeed it came to little. Right? Go right. right along with what you're saying. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. And then he says, Why? Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Oh, yeah. You got you could develop this as you look at it. I'm just yeah. going to highlight it. Yeah. This is like the Reader's Digest Condensed Version. So we have circumstances, and now we're going to have obedience in Haggai 1.12. People wake up. Yeah, yeah, turn back to the Lord. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed <clears throat> the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people did fear before the Lord. Notice Haggai 1.12. Mm-hmm. So why does he send the prophet? Well, because the king's bad. The priesthood is not really cutting it. Yeah, yeah. So they listen to the voice of the Lord. What's the objective? Build the house. Right. Haggai 1.14 is a remnant. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. 
So Elul 1 was Teshuvah. This is when this is all coming about. They're hearing from the Lord. Hey, we're not where we need to be. Right. Our priorities are not in order. We're going to our house, but now God wants a house. That's right. He wants it. That's the objective. In Haggai 1.15, in the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. This is Haggai 1.15, Elul 24. Wow, yeah. Elul 24, you're still in Teshuvah. Yes. So you're in the midst of rebuilding. You've got an objective. You're focused now. You're, you're returning. That's what shub means, to return. Yeah. In Haggai 2.1, oh, we're in Haggai chapter 2. There's only two chapters. Yeah. In the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, what day was this? Last the last day, day of tabernacles. That's awesome, yeah. Tishri 21. If you have the King James, you probably got to go into the New American Standard or the NIV to find out what dates these are, because it's like four score and, you know, <laughs> what is this? Yeah, exactly. We don't even know that, right? Yeah, yeah. Haggai 2.4, yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. He gives you the vision. He speaks to you. He says, I'm with you. So he's going to allow you to do it because yeah. vision gets provision. Hallelujah. In Haggai 2.6, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. You know, that's how you get fruit off a tree. Yeah. You shake the heck out of yeah. it. Yeah. That's what he's doing to us. He's going to shake us and get some fruit. Right. That's the shaking going on. Haggai 2.7, the glory. And I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. See? I will shake all the nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. Yeah. People that are in the nations are going to be interested. They're going to say, hey, like us today. Right. He's, it's like a, a near and a far fulfillment. Right. How about wealth in Haggai 2.8? Remember, Satan, his little antichrist, <laughs> wants wealth and paying off people and mm -hmm. flattering everyone. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. <laughs> Proverbs 13.22, the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. So we take our we take our riches, we take our wealth, we take the finances that God has given us, and we make righteous financial decisions. That's right, and that's what we do. You know, it's just like you know, this last year, or whatever. I've been given the the the, uh, the meals after the service once a month. I've been just giving them away free. Yeah, it's part of the community. Right. So, but anyway, so we can. Uh, take that and, and, and spend it on our, our congregation, you know, yeah, uh, feed, feed every, all the families once a month with a meal after the service. We call it an oneg. So once again, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The finances are his. I right. mean, you know, in Haggai 2.9, we have the latter house. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. So you thought you experienced my glory back then? Wait till you see it now. Yeah. But wait until the third one, say. This one say this is all building up to something's going to be on that temple mount. Oh, I'm not going to yeah. be dogmatic about a temple. Sure. But I believe something's going up on that temple mount, whether it's a, a, a place for all nations to pray or whatever it is, something's going on that temple mount. Yeah. And it's going to be defiled. Well, and it will be holy because it will then be defiled. And in order for right. it to be defiled, so, it has so to be holy first. So we're, we're building up to something really cool here. In Haggai 2.10... In the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, so he's continuing to hear from the Lord. Now, going back, this is the day before Hanukkah, Kislev 24. It was the day of the, of the, the first that night of Hanukkah, right? right? So, you so start 24th of Kislev, I'm just saying, yeah. the 24th of Kislev is the night before. 
the day before. The day, the day, yeah, the day exactly. of. So, yeah. so anyway, uh, this is very important to know when this takes place. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's a specific date. It's after the fall feast and everything. But in Haggai two fourteen, it goes on to say, "Then answered Haggai and said." So is this people, and so is this nation before me, saith the Lord, and so is every work of their hands, and that which they offer there is unclean. See, we're not even worthy to do the work. He's, he, Haggai is saying, we're unclean, we're unclean, right? Yeah. And so it goes on to talk about, in Haggai 2.18, the temple foundation. Right. Consider now from this day and upward, from this day, yeah. from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Consider this date. Consider this time. Yeah. Mark it down. Is what he's saying. It's Kislev 24, the day before Hanukkah. Now, this is 520 B.C. Yeah. So they're marking this day, Kislev 24, for a temple foundation. That's, That's a, what they're doing. How incredible is that, though? And in what, it was the 15th day or the 14th day of the month that it was defiled by Antiochus, right? So it's this month of Kislev that all these temple events happen. Like, why? why? It's after the fall feast. Right. You know, I don't know what Torah cycle they were in, but I know they were in the Torah. But uh, that's Haggai 2.18. Now, Haggai 2.20. And again, the word of the Lord came into Haggai in the 4 and 20th day of the month saying, right? Yes. Okay. Now, this is the 24th of Kislev. It continues on. But here's Haggai 2.21. Speak to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, saying, I will shake the heavens and the earth. Verse 22. This is the prophecy. And I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms, and I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen. And I will overthrow the chariots and those that ride in them, and the horses and their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. This is like a near and a far fulfillment. Yeah, God will have the victory. He already said he would shake the nations. Right. Now he's going to do it again. Yeah. Almost like there's going to be something there or building up to it. Yeah. And he's going to do this thing all over again in the last days. That's right. That's Haggai 2.22. So what are the five steps uh, or the five-step process found in Haggai? You want to go ahead and share that, Ryan? Yeah. So the first thing is that the priorities are not in place, right? So and, God— And when does it start? Teshuva. That's right. We're getting right. our act together. Right, well, and every year, that's kind of what we do. The Daniel fast. Yeah, we get our act together. <laughs> what do you mean I can't have sugar? <laughs> or coffee. Yeah. I know. Wow, that's tough. <laughs> Imagine that. Three weeks without sugar. That's right. Or coffee, or meat, or dairy. Yeah. I tell you, it's a pretty awesome fast. Yeah. So God comes upon the and, and warns the people through the prophet Haggai, and then step two, the priorities are in place. So they're making Teshuva by the time we get to so a little 24. So what was the date for the first one? was a little one, which is the beginning of Teshuvah. Right. And then uh, the, the second one is by the time we get to a little 24, we're still in Teshuvah, the priorities are in place. So they've been, the people have been doing the work. Praise God. Um, the next step is the future temple. And this is uh, Tishri 21, which is the last day of tabernacles, right? So the prophet's prophesying, and he's talking about a future temple. Right, that's going to be done. And then finally... They're moving towards it, yeah. Yep, and finally, by Kislev 24, the day before Hanukkah, the foundation of the temple Boom. is laid. They made it very clear, Yep, the dates. Right. And finally, Judgment Day, step number five, the day before Hanukkah, Kislev 24. That's a lot. I mean, there's a lot there. There really is. I mean, this is so relevant for today. Absolutely. Do we have our priorities straight? Are we hearing the voice of God? Are we familiar with the dates? Mm-hmm. And are we are we pushing for the temple? <laughs> All right. I mean, are we? I mean, there's a we, lot of Christians for a temple. I'm for a temple. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I know I'm a temple. Yeah. I'm a lively stone. 
But I know something's gonna have to go up there for it to be defiled. You know, anytime I get you get around Tommy Waller, um, you know, he talks about Jerusalem and the Temple Mount and how there's so many scriptures that people apply to like their church, right? The house of God yeah. or whatever. And it's like, yeah. no, no, no. There's one. One place God's gonna gather that, that's a good point. All believers to that place. That's a good point. Um, all right, so the defilement of the temple by Antiochus took place on the twenty fifth of Kislev in the ninth month in the year 167 BC. The rededication of the temple by the Maccabees took place three years later to the day on the 25th of Kislev in the year 164 BC. So here's the icing on the cake. This is the, this is the, this is the, the main point. Satan knew that this temple was dedicated on the 24th of Kislev. That's right. The foundation and everything. Yeah. So what does he do? He comes in in 163 BC through Antiochus the fourth Epiphanes. Yeah. And says, oh yeah? Well, I'm going to defile this thing on the 25th, yeah. the day after. Right. Not before, not on, the day after. Oh, I, I got my own dedication yeah. of defilement. My defilement dedication. <laughs> the DD. He's dedicated dirty to defilement. Deeds, done dirt cheap. Yeah. So I'm only saying this because there's no coincidence. Yeah. Not only that, not only that, Ryan, but think about God and, and his perspective. So what does he do? The Maccabees dedicate it on the 25th. Mm-hmm. Okay? They're like, you defiled it, we cleaned it up. The day you messed it up, we cleaned everything up. Yeah. Right? 163 BC, whatever. What does Yeshua do? He goes up on the Temple Mount. Oh, by the way, I'm God. He's not. Right. Just to set a little point here. Yeah. And many believed on him there. Right. So he made his point. As Christians, we should love this stuff because Jesus is Jewish. Yes. He's not a Malibu-looking Greek Jesus. He's not. He's not Fabio. Malibu Jesus. He's not Fabio. You know. I mean, he's he's Jewish. We need to understand that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and this is where you know people get all bent out of shape. But yeah, I mean, this is why the Jews won't accept yeah. the, the, the Christian Christ, right? Because they took the Jewishness out of him. Well, because he's not. That's not Jesus. Let's continue on. This all right, so, so the future temple and the Antichrist. So found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, uh, Paul says this. He says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there uh, come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, and is, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now you can look that word up in the Greek. I mean, it's, it's a structure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a structure, man. It is. So, so, what, think of, so that's, that's very interesting. So what historical events will take place during the celebration of Hanukkah in the future is the question. Well, that is a good question. I hope everybody's excited. Go check it out for yourself. Check out Haggai. Yeah. 500 years before Yeshua, from the time of August to December. Yeah. We do teshuva. We do repentance. We, we celebrate the fall feast. We start a brand new Torah cycle. We celebrate Hanukkah. Yeah. Wow. You want to share some Hanukkah traditions, Ryan, in closing here? Yeah, no, I'll tell you what. Um, Hanukkah does have some traditions. You know, many families hurt anybody. come up with their own, own right. traditions and things like that. Uh, one of the things you'll notice here is that uh, even as we, we speak of the rededication of the temple and all these things, um, there was the miracle of oil, which is more of the historical it's significance, folklore, yeah. right? I mean, one um, day supply yeah. lasted for eight. 
Right, when they rededicated so the temple. So that was the miracle mm-hmm. of the oil. Right. But if you took the miracle out of the story, we still have a story. That's right. We still have customs and traditions aren't going to hurt anybody. Correct. So here's some Hanukkah traditions. Um, the first one could be lighting the Hanukkah at home. Friends right. and family get together, light the Hanukkah. It's one, nine branches. Right. With the, with the, with the, the what's the middle? The shamish candle. The, in the shamish middle. and then yep. four on either side. Yep. It's got nine branches instead of seven. Correct. Because there's eight nights that you're celebrating. Right. And so uh, we also can get together at the church and light Hanukkahs together. We actually did that at this time recording last night. We got together and lit some Hanukkahs and... And, uh, and actually, on Saturday, we'll be lighting up seven candles plus the shamash. Yes, right. And you'll be able to see this from a satellite from NASA. <laughs> <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> it's a rocket liftoff. Um, yeah, and actually, the kids make... Um, Make can, like cool Hanukkahs. You make your own Hanukkahs. Yeah, like uh, even my my kids, you know, because we were cooped up in the house for over oh, a week. Yeah. So they came up with you know all kinds of little crafts That's and right. things. Those and aren't real cupcakes. Chris, Don't eat that. Christian made it's one bad. out of Legos. Abby made yeah. that one out of Play-Doh with like made cupcakes that look like cupcakes. Yeah, and, that, that's what deceived me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I wanted to eat one. Of them. Um, Christina made made ones, and even Aaliyah made one. How, how cool is that? And so the Hanukkah itself, like you mentioned, uh, nine branches, shamish in the middle, uh, four branches on either side, representing the eight nights. They have electric ones too. Yep. Uh, another tradition is playing dreidel. That's right. Yep. The four uh, little wooden, you know, like a little dice yeah. with four sides on it with a with a yeah. Hebrew letter on each side. Nezgadol Hayasham, right? I'm a great miracle happened here. I don't know what, what they call them out, but yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I just take their pennies. Yeah. So it's it's there's four sides, right? right. And the letters are Nezgadol Hayasham. They represent those right. words. Which but but is, explain to them how the dreidel came about. because Well, during so we, we talked about Antiochus, right? We talked right. about how he forbid Torah study. That's he, right. Anything that had to do with, you know, the customs and traditions of That's the Jewish right. people. So they created an new custom um in by spinning the dreidel yeah right and they were actually studying torah they were but they could you know pretend like they were playing this game that's good so yeah i like it was that good. see and if you're playing then you can also get some chocolate gelt which is uh gold coins uh or at least uh, that chocolate. were specially minted with the maccabees on it or right something? there was okay Maccabean, so correct so there was coins. there was coins minted for the rededication of the chocolate temple. gelt and then to commemorate that, today yeah. we make them out of chocolate and wrap them in gold foil yeah, right. in order to commemorate. Just don't leave them in your car in Florida. Um, another tradition, latkes. Latkes, we said. Yeah, potato pancakes or potato. Uh, latkes, yeah, with applesauce and sour cream is really yeah. good. Some people like hot sauce or salsa and jalapenos. Yeah, lots of great uh, recipes out Sweet there. Sweet and sour. Yeah. And so uh, the word Hanukkah in Hebrew, which we probably should have mentioned this at the beginning. Uh, oh, we got to say latkes because we're celebrating the oil thing. Right. Donuts. Right, right. And donuts. Yeah, anything this fried. This is definitely a men's. Fried food. A men's holiday. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I've had no men complain. Don't understand why the state fair isn't held during Hanukkah. Hey, how come you guys are eating donuts? <laughs> no, he just eats the donut. That's you right. Know, there's no problem. Yeah, no problems at all. Yeah. All right, so Hanukkah uh, is the Hebrew word for dedication. And uh, we have to ask ourselves a personal question. And the personal question is, what, what are we are, dedicated to? What are we dedicated to? Wow, that's awesome. You know. Um, there it is, folks. Yeah, yeah. All it's, and listen, there's so much more. I mean, we could, we could do like 10 hours now, of this. I don't know about you, Ryan, but I'm just thinking about the future, really. Yeah. Like, yeah. what's going to happen? I know. What's going on? What's going to happen? Yeah. You know, how come they don't have control of the Temple Mount? There's a reason for it. See? Yeah. 
there's a reason for it. Yeah, it is. Much praise right. out. Okay. Father, we just thank you for Hanukkah. We thank you that we're approaching our third night. We thank you for all of our listeners, the brothers and sisters in the Lord right now. Father, we pray blessings over everyone that's watching and listening to be encouraged to look up our redemption draweth nigh. Thank you, Father, that Yeshua is the light, that he celebrated Hanukkah, Father. He proved his deity in John chapter 10. We love that. I and the Father are one. That's what he said. We believe that, Father. We believe that, that, that Yeshua is Yahweh. And we want to thank you for all that you've given us, all that you're doing. Thank you for your provision, protection. We just thank you, Father, for all those that are listening right now to bless them, to be with them, Father. We're here to just encourage them and to give them a word from you, Father, because it's an encouraging word. It's a hopeful word. And we just thank you for all that you're doing for us. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Happy Hanukkah. I hope you guys enjoy this time of year with your families and whatnot. And uh, now's the time to focus on spiritual exercises, the ways of the Lord, and don't be assimilated by the ways of the world. Amen. That's right. Amen. All right. Bless you guys. Have a great week.